It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic, a Boston Bruins podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. And I'm going to just tell you right now, this episode is going to be rough. And there will be lots of expletives. And uh, the collective mood right now is, uh, I'm going to just say, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, No, no, I would sum it up as... Oh, no, no. Ready? This is me. Fuck! <laughs> so, 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 listeners, obviously you couldn't see the video, but she was holding a little sign that said, oh, fuck, sort of like the coyote when he falls off a cliff. I got away from the... I, 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 I stepped away from the microphone. I might eventually go to another side of the room and shout it. At some point, who knows? I mean, Mike, that'll just that'll just get Boomer fired up somewhere else in the house. Maybe, maybe then we'll just have jingling and bark, 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 bark. Uh, but anyway, I am VA. I'm here with Jeff. <sighs> All right, Tim. <laughs> Hi. And Nick. See, guys, I'm conflicted. I'm really bummed about the Bruins, but I am. Uh, I'm on vacation. But I mean, shit, fuck, ass, <laughs> motherfucker, shit, cock, motherfuck, fuck, 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 cock, shit, balls. Yep. Fuck. You know, there's there's a book that I read called Hyperion, where there's a poet who, through some kind of accident, loses his ability to to remember any words other than those words. So he would compose poetry of those words, and people would be like, hmm. That's a really interesting take on blah blah blah. <laughs> but anyway, it has been a a momentous couple of weeks. These Bruins keep giving, but they're not really giving, if you know what I mean. Okay. It's just, okay. Just, a, just a parade of not great news over the last eight days. It has been a parade of shit and misery. And here we are together to be sad in a group. Yes, Jeff, yeah. you're, you got the the uh, the album title. I was going to say the album title this week, the episode title, "Sad in a Group," because that's yeah, what we are. Sports fandom isn't about joy. <laughs> last week it was benign, or last last episode was benign masochism, where we kind of lamented that it's like sports torture us, and we still go back for it. And now, no, this past couple of weeks has been pure shit. Just, it's shit, just, 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 shit, just one shit. nut punch after another. Like we're, we're we're talking like standing on a pedestal, just getting speed bag, just getting speed bagged in the giblets by um, I'm, by Mike Tyson here. <laughs> oh, metaphorically speaking, of course. Let's just sum up without going into any explanation. Let's just do a summary of things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, and then I'm going to take my decapitated blades head. You see him. Oh, it's Blades. See? Look at the blue eyes. Oh, it's Blades, all right. Or at least it's, used to be. It's, uh, it's, it's 12% of Blades. <laughs> I, have, I have five topics in here that we will go in depth on. And I will pull them out and we'll talk about it because I really honestly did not know where to begin. It's like walking into a hoarder's house and you're just like, what the fuck do we start with? 
That's what the Bruins have been like in the last couple of weeks. You know, no disrespect meant, but here we go. We just don't know where to start. Last episode, we wondered when Matt Grizzlick was going to get his shoulder surgery. Well, he got a shoulder surgery. And then we found out at the same time, McAvoy got a shoulder surgery. And then we found out that Mike Riley got a an ankle procedure. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All this stuff, all this stuff coming out at. And then, and we'll and then talk about- Bergeron makes an appearance in a full arm ca- in, 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 in a in a in a full arm brace. Yep, yep, yep. At an MMA MMA fight down in Plymouth, where he went with Craig Smith and wait for it, John Moore. Okay. Oh. Yep. Um. So. Yep. Because I watched the video. Anyway, so that that happened. And then the next day, Bergeron wins the Selkie. The fifth Selkie in his career. He is the king of the mountain. And I don't want to I don't want to bury him in with the shit and misery. We'll talk about him separately. Okay. So then the next day, oh yes, shit goes down. Because Bruce Cassidy is fired and they announce it very late in the day to follow it up with Don Sweeney saying, Hey guys, there's going to be a presser. I'm having a presser tomorrow morning at 8 AM. And that is, uh, that's where I'm going to leave it. Okay. Those are the, the salient facts that you need for this little recap. Okay. That is the list of events. The other, other two Bruinsy events that I can think of are of no consequence. Cause they're what re-signing Juna Kapanen. And uh, this, this 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 new German fellow, Kai Wismann. Mm. <laughs> he's six foot four, two hundred and seven pounds. Oh. So he's an enormous right shot right shot German defenseman. VA hasn't been able to stand up in public since. <laughs> <laughs> and he is from Filigan. Uh, that uh, oh god, where is that place? Uh, he's from the same place that Dennis Zadenberg is from. Which has me all sorts of excited because oh. everyone knows that in my dream, I married. He's the only Bruin I have married. It was Dennis Zuddenberg. And I didn't even get to see his butt, but he had no shirt on. It was all wonderful. Ooh. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. I really I enjoy seeing Dennis Zuddenberg without a shirt on. Read into it what you want. He was not fully naked. Just no shirt. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Kai Visman. I mean, he's probably going to Providence or something, right? He's this year's Jesper Froden, but uh, I don't know. I'm excited about a big defensive guy from Germany. Honestly, the team, like, has an awful lot of one-way contract defensemen, but a little strapped to be on to the uh, NHL, so, like, this is kind of key. Okay. Um, He's 25 years old. He played for Team Germany in the Worlds, I think. (sighs) <sighs> dreamy sigh uh has the calder been announced yet do we know no okay because I, I i'm really hoping for Mord Sider, who is also six foot four and german and a defenseman i have a type i have a type i have lots of types but anyway yeah so i'm excited about that that was a, a brief happy moment in my just <sighs> week of Shit. Okay. Ready? I'm going to dip my hand into the blade's head and I'm going to pull out a piece of paper because we are very modern here. And and that is what we're going to talk about next. Ready? Because we're ready. Okay. Here's the piece of paper. 
I am unfolding it. <laughs> we are going to start off with Sweeney and Neely. Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys is is exactly the right answer. If this were Jeopardy or a game show. Sorry, what is fuck those guys? Yes, there we go. Jeff won. So Neely and Sweeney, fuck those guys is the proper way to, to phrase this because we really don't know exactly what happened, but we know that it was Don Sweeney who went to Bruce Cassidy's house and told him they were firing him. And then Neely, Neely hasn't come out and said anything, has he? Or did he, since then? Yeah, he's been quiet. <sighs> weird. Well, it, no, it's not weird because Sweeney doesn't like to take accountability for anything in front of the press. We know this. Uh, there was a period of time where he did uh, spots with uh, Felger Maz every week early on in his presidency, I guess we'll say. And then Felger Maz would just get a little too finger pointery. They would point some fingers at him. They would want him to give some pretty direct answers on things that he obviously did not want to answer. And then he stopped doing those radio appearances. Imagine being so fucking soft that you fold like a map in the face of Felger and fucking Maz. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't want to talk to Felger or Maz either. Well, yes, but but... like everything, but like. That's, that's not that's not really the, the issue at hand when you're the president of the team and you're willingly going ahead with these radio appearances and you think that they're just going to give you softballs all the time that's a bad look you you shouldn't be you shouldn't be dealing with softballs all the time you need to answer some hard questions i mean you're getting paid to do stuff and to make those decisions so why not talk about them right so, so, so one thing I'll say is, um, we I think we need to um, openly retract what we said a couple of weeks ago, ago about Sweeney mostly being in charge of business matters, because the events yeah, of this not. week clearly show that that's horseshit. Yeah, he's not. So, uh, mea culpa. Um, we were wrong. Yeah. Um, but really, this just emphasizes my feelings that both Sweeney and Neely need to go because what they will, what they were willing to do was say. Mm, Something's not right, and we need to keep our jobs, even though there was no need to extend Sweeney. All you needed to do was let him go, okay? But here's the thing that I've thought of since that didn't happen, is Neely's clearly running everything. Sweeney's just kind of a puppet. If if he lets Sweeney go, he has to try to find another puppet. You see, so like there's the thing is, is if he's got the sycophantic lickspittle coward, which is what it appears to be based on how this Cassidy thing went down. Yeah, replacing him with the same, which is clearly what he wants, is not really possible. No, he's exactly. not going to find anybody. But like, also- we're going to end up with we're going to end like if that happened, we'd end up with Fitz- <laughs> with Fitzgerald or uh, or or, or, uh, or Scott Bradley as GM, and I don't think we actually want either of those. What really alarms me about this organization, which is how they do not look outside of their organization for new talent. I mean, it's always good to promote from within, kind of groom someone for a role. I think that's good. But it has been such a boys club, which I think can be said about uh, most professional sports organizations. But this is just it's disgusting. Given that two of the the three of the most like talked about candidates for this coaching things are either a former, the current Providence Bruins coach, a former Providence Bruins coach, or a former Providence Bruins assistant. 
See, exactly. That is in those words, Motionel, Leach, and um, uh, Carberry, to be clear. <laughs> there was talk of trying to get the Providence College coach, but he just signed a new deal, and that's probably Honestly, not going to happen. Like, I don't really know why someone would jump from NCAA to NHL. The pay gap is not big, and the job security and NCAA is fantastic. And if you've got a winning product, then you know what you have. Why would you... Because it's clear we've seen very few make that jump, right? Like Quinn and and Quinn Montgomery and um, Haxtell are the only three recent ones that I can think of at all. Yeah, and none of them went very well. <laughs> and yet, two of them are on the, are mentioned on the long list routinely. Well, they're not going to hire a veteran coach that is outside their orbit because he's probably not going to deal with the the bullshit that they have. Well, and also a veteran, given where the, this team's story arc is right now, why would a an in-demand veteran be interested? Yeah. Like a, an unwanted veteran like Mark Crawford or someone, could, 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 perhaps, but but a, a veteran that actually like has prospects? Nah. Yeah. I had heard about Neely and Sweeney that they were actually just good friends since their playing days and that they they want to run the show together. Or at least that's where it is from Neely's point of view. I think that Sweeney gives him cover. It's like Neely can just pull Sweeney in front of him like like the body shield, you know, because Sweeney will go out there and talk there and talk to the press. And he is it's not a satisfying event because everybody walks away from it frustrated and confused and angry because he doesn't really say anything. And I, I do think that's actually one of the reasons there's so much rage over this. Particularly in the press. The press loved Cassidy for obvious reasons. He gives great quotes. Sweeney, oh, yes. Sweeney and Neely don't. I have never actually seen the press. So many members of the press talk about how much Cassidy gets it, gets what they're trying to do. Well, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand from a managerial perspective how, how I bet management is real. That, that, that position was probably really unpopular with management and it will be almost anywhere else, too. Yeah, but you know what? It made us, the fans, like, love him. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay, let's get to that. Let's talk about that. Apparently, from what we've read and seen this week, it was Neely's decision to can Cassidy. Not not only to can him, but after he was basically told, hey, you're you're safe here. Right, right. Because after breakup week, he was told that he was safe, that everything was status quo. We'll get to that when we talk about Cassidy. But it all seems to point to Neely. And I read Connor Ryan's article after uh, the Cassidy press conference that see, there was one thing that really stuck out to me. I can't find the exact thing. I guess I could look it up and, and go through the article. But my main takeaway was that Cassidy had been told at one point by Neely to be careful about what he said about players in front of the press, that they didn't want the press to take that information and use it basically against the team. And the problem is, is that Cassidy always talked to the player before he said something in public. You know, I kind of feel it might be goaltending comments through this year, which were always warranted that did this. Not skaters. 
Yeah, I mean, he he very specifically pointed out a comment where it seemed like the the comments that Cassidy was making very pointedly were about Swayman. Well, because there's things I I struggle to see how it would like matter with DeBrush because like let's fucking face it until. February of this year, DeBrush deserved every bit of ire he might every dig he might have gotten, right? But you know what? Here's the thing, and this is what I didn't tell you this week because I wanted to save it for today. I think that Jake DeBrusque's very public trade request worked against Cassidy. It it made the team look bad. Neely doesn't want the team to look bad. That's his thing. He doesn't want the team to look bad. So he looked at it as like a big black mark on on Cassidy there. I think that's something that you can't understate because that's where I was going with this whole thing where it's like, be careful what you say about the players in front of, in front of the media. He wants a, a squeaky clean image because we know the Boston media is notoriously tough, but we also know that the team will feed information to the Boston media to make it, the team seem better and the person that they're trying to scapegoat seem worse. Uh, we've seen that with players. We've seen that with coaches. We've seen that with everything. Which which has been Minka Hag's uh, irrelevance in the last two years. Amusing because he clearly used to be their main their main valve for for PR bullshit, right? <laughs> right. You know what? I found what I was talking about before. As for the media, Cam Neely came to me once and said, "Listen, just be careful because it can be construed the wrong way with players." I said, "Absolutely, Cam. Everything that said is said to the player as well." But I understand what you're saying. Sometimes I think a narrative gets created in the media that's maybe uh, that maybe wasn't meant, Cassidy said. I've often been asked, for example, what do you think of Swayman's play tonight? I thought he was okay, but their guy made a save or two at a key time. And then he's like, he throws Swayman under the bus. You know what I mean? And it creates a bit of maybe not the message that I was trying to say. It was, hey, he's been better. He was okay. But I should have said... Hey, that's not the reason we lost and expanded on it. And sometimes when you're honest, if you can, you can get in trouble here or there. But as I said, I think I've always tried to make sure the player understands what is exactly is expected and where we're going and what we're going to do moving forward. So, yeah. So he used Swayman as a key example there. You know, there is something in that phrasing is, you know, what he didn't say is that he didn't say that he says the things to the players in private first. That's true. And like how relevant that is, I don't know, but that does feel kind of relevant. I think that we can read a lot into that. Because if he's saying it to the media first and then goes to the players, that's not going to be received well. No. I always got the impression that he talked to the players first. Not from this. But if it's in a post-game, do you really think he talked to the players, for, players first? Unless it's an ongoing issue. That's that's fair, but like in a post game, I my guess is almost every single time, at least maybe you mentioned it to the players, but it hasn't been discussed in detail yet because that would happen the next day at practice. At practice, right? I mean, I think that the problem with uh, Cassidy when he got in front of the media is that he could be brutally honest at times, and maybe he didn't. Maybe okay, maybe we'll give Neely this one that he wasn't talking to the player first. Uh, I'm not even saying he wasn't. I'm just like, it's rather significant that Cassidy didn't say that he'd done that. That's all, I think. <laughs> but I don't know. Okay, that's fair. I, I don't know. I still think that Neely would rather that Cassidy didn't, didn't say anything. And I, as a fan of another team here in the area where the coach notoriously says nothing, and sometimes it's hun it's funny, and sometimes it's fucking frustrating. 
I liked having a coach who was pretty candid. But Neely and Sweeney thought there needed to be a new voice in the room, although Sweeney didn't back that up when he said that, no, he wasn't losing the room. So I really wonder what young players were unhappy. Like, you know, obviously a bunch that weren't being used well by him have all been shipped out at various points to mixed results elsewhere. Again, like, I mean, like, okay, I hated the Danton Heinen trade at the time. Criticism this year didn't check out to me because let's face it, it only matters what the two players did while they were still with the teams involved in the trade. In which case, Boston actually won that trade. Crazy. Anaheim definitely didn't, is my point. That's all. Maybe Boston didn't win either, but Anaheim certainly lost. I can't believe that Toronto was like, hey, Nick Ritchie. Such a non-Toronto, it's such a non-cliche Toronto move. At least, you know, Dubas Toronto. (laughs) And then Arizona was like, sure, we'll take him. Yeah. (laughs) But like, and like other ones, it's like, okay, the Toronto trades on the short list of ones I would criticize, but I've seen people lump fucking Bjork and Donato, guys that got more rope than they should have, failed, and then Sweeney still managed to flip them for major improvements. This is this is the thing about the this is the this is the, the, the narrative this week has been so fucking stupid. I am angry as shit at the team right now. I am angry at the fans for being dumb as fuck right now, though. If there's a general criticism towards Sweeney and perhaps ne- management, we'll say management because that's, I think, the best word we can use now, is uh, they, they don't do very well in the offseason. I, I think the management does well during the season. Trades, uh, re-signings. Uh, it's the, it's the offseason where, where, where all the bad stuff happens. And, I'm like, and it's telling that his best, most successful offseason is the one that he, you know, won the – that he won GM of the year for. Yeah. The offseason that consisted of Halak, Wagner, and, uh, and and Nordstrom. Yep. Which is actually insane because that's a the offseason that we came out of with no third line center and didn't resolve it till the t- t- till the deadline. <laughs> Again, absolute fucking mugging because we basically traded oh Ryan Donato and um uh, and and Adam McQuaid for Coyle, Camphor, and a seventh, which is like absolutely fucking dynamite. <laughs> hey, watch the camphor. You actually uh, a useful little little piece. Well, that's exactly it, right? Camphor was was definitely useful as a Bruin, mm-hmm. and he'll be useful as a Red Wing. Oh yeah, that's right. He's coming back to North yeah. America this yeah. year. Good for him. Hey, I mean, look, you know, go go somewhere else, then go play for for the U.S. In the I mean, Olympics my suspicion and... he's probably more of a Griffin than a Red Wing, but still, good for him. Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> good for him. Hope he has a good year. He's from Michigan, so that, that works out oh, well Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even playing in Grand Rapids is decent for him then. Yeah. 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 yeah this is all good. Good. Everything is coming up camphor. So good mm-hmm. for him. Um, I, look, I have nothing against him. He gave us one of the best <laughs> post-game celebrations I've ever seen, followed by the best gift that NBC, the NHL on NBC ever made. <laughs> so, Yes. Uh, good for him. I'm glad. Uh, it, it had to be hard to be playing overseas, but you know he did a lot of stuff this year, so good for him. Yeah, and like that—that's that, that, got to be like an all-time, like you know, uh, board, like um, uh, quadruple A player uh, journeyman story for him because uh, he's been around the fringes of the league since 2011. Yeah, 
and this was his second stint with the Bruins, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So, like, he hadn't played enough regular season games, and of course, was injured. So, we didn't play in the playoffs in 2011. The Bruins had lobbied to get his name on the cup, along with Savard. Uh, the league only granted them Savard. Right. Well, and you know, here's the thing: is had Kempfer not been injured, he probably the team probably doesn't sign uh, the sheriff, which means he would have played like one or two games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So basically, the only the, the difference was is like his in, Kempfer's injury basically got got Knighty's name on the cup, and and cost uh, Kempfer the end. <laughs> Look at us trying to cheer ourselves up by talking about other things that are happier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about us. We're trying to, to we're trying so hard not to be miserable. We really are. The other thing is I'm going to go out on a limb and say last season's offseason acquisitions were in the aggregate a positive. They weren't good enough, but with the right. exception of Felino, I think they were all good. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm so bummed about Nick Felino. I mean, like, because, like, for example, Howla, you cannot complain about Howla considering what they paid for him. The problem is, is that he wasn't good enough for what they were, what they brought him in to be. And like, okay, like, Noshik managed to be like an all. They signed him after a after a career offensive year, and then he proceeded to go fifty something games without scoring a goal. Whoops! A certain amount of that's bad luck. Yeah. Forward, you know, I got mixed feelings on that signing. It's too much, too too much, too long. But he was great in the playoffs. I have no problems with Forbert. Darla. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and then like, I mean, and you could say it's like, well, you know, there were other free agent goalies that would have been a better pick than, than, than it'll mark. And that's not, and that's not wrong, but yeah, I, I think it's a year too long and a million too much. Well, that's just it. Like, I mean, you look yeah. at, okay, you know, Kane's getting Anderson for just two years at less money. Yeah. That hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing saying that they didn't try to get Anderson either. True. Well, that was just it because um, Omar was one of the last goalies to sign actually on on free agency day. Yeah. Like I, so like that's so, so that just makes sense. Um. So like honestly, like so honestly, anyway, the point is is apart from the Felino signing, which was just so fucking misguided. Last summer now, wasn't a bad cool. off season. It just wasn't the off season the team needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also at the same time. There wasn't exactly players out there to make it the offseason they needed. Precisely. It's like, oh, they could have traded for Christian Dvorak. Did anyone see the season Dvorak just had in, in, in Montreal? And yes, Montreal, fine, okay. But like at the same time, like Dvorak was a player with a lot of question marks around him anyway. Right? So I honestly, and I stand by my position, I don't think Sweeney is necessarily a bad GM. The problem is, is he's too subordinate. And too much of a lick spittle. Sweenius. He's, he's, he's still a Sweenius. He's just, he listens to his boss, which in some cultures is a, is a good thing. And at other times, in other cultures and situations, it's a bad thing. Well, and, uh, that's, and that's, that's not even necessarily a condemnation of Sweeney, because like yeah. that shouldn't be how this works. Right. Okay, here we go. Let me just unleash a little bit. Proceed. I fucking hate Sweeney. I have had a oh. problem with him for a while. Okay, I've had a problem with him since he fired Claude on the Patriots duck boat day. Again, do you really think no, 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 no,
they had fired Bruce Cassidy. It was late on Monday. And what were we all basking in the glow of? I mean, I wasn't, but, you know. The fifth sulky. Oh, 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 that this week. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. The fifth sulky. You waited until after that, which, like, honestly, like, strategically firing him a week ago. And then the fifth selkie happening would have been smarter. You you said last time that you wondered if it was just like these guys just didn't know optics. I'm willing uh, to grant you that they're fucking idiots. But this now, ha- having to do this the day after the selkie announcement, when we, the the whole Twitter account has been glowing on this i have been glowing about this because he's the king he's the defensive forward king he sits atop a mountain Bergie is wonderful i've been basking in that because it's a wonderful feat um it's not a, a stanley cup but whatever but they announced it on the monday now the kpd um uh article that that mandy linked for us from the globe i read the whole thing which is not usual for me with KPD, but I read it. And the one thing that stuck out in my mind was that he pointed out that this, this administration or not administration, uh, this, this management group, when they, they announced Brad's surgeries, they did it late on a Friday afternoon, no follow-up. Okay. No press conference. It was just a, a media. It was just a, a press release. They released the information on the three defensemen getting their surgeries, which we will talk about later. They released it on a Friday afternoon press release. That's it. No further comment. The Sweeney thing uh, with, I mean, that's Sweeney, the Cassidy thing. I bet you if they wouldn't have gotten a lot of pushback on that, they probably would have just done a press release and then that was it. But what they did was, this is what Sweeney did. And Sweeney, you cannot tell me that Sweeney was not in full control of this. Sweeney said then, I will have a press availability tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. At 8 fucking a.m. Not 9 a.m., not 10 a.m., not 11 a.m. Okay, the times that you normally see these press conferences at 8 a.m., which is not a standard operating time. That is bullshit. That is cowardice. And you cannot tell me that he isn't a squirmy worm of a person. Because if you watched any of that uh, press conference, you would see that that guy did not want to take any responsibility, did not want to take any accountability for what he was saying. And maybe he didn't feel comfortable with the position that he was forced to be put in because Tam Neely is just as slimy as he is. But that guy squirmed his way through that and did not want to do that. And that's why he called it at 8 a.m. That guy is a fucking coward. They did this. They tried to get away with this just while everybody was paying attention to something else. And I just don't have the respect for that. One time when you did it, when duck boat parades happened, that's okay. That's one thing that happened. And you can just sit there and say, oh, that's shitty. And why are you still holding on to that like seven years later? Because I can. And because I pay attention to things and I was waiting for it to be confirmed. Those slimy ass weasels. Fuck them. Fuck them both. Fuck them into the sun. Fire them there. Oh my God, I can't stand them. I want everything to burn down because of them. I want them to have no more success. And I hate to say it, 
but I'm kind of rooting against this team right now mm. because that's where I am. I'm still angry. Can you tell I'm angry? I don't know yes. if you can tell I'm angry. It's, 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 it comes through. So uh, you cannot tell me that this guy doesn't know optics. He's trying to get under the radar and he's failing because they're at the root of it. They're just fucking idiots who only care about their own hides. I think I've said all I need to say about Sweeney and Neely. Can we move on? Or yeah. do we have any other points? Because I'm just going to keep getting angry. It's okay. No, let's, let's, let's move on to whatever else is in the head. Okay, the next topic. As I take out the piece of paper and I unfold it. <laughs> How fucked is this franchise? That's a topic. Very. Yeah. This yeah, is I where I introduced the thing that I forgot to say. Okay, because we were basing things on Fluto's uh, nine points of doom and gloom or something, and two of those points we just kind of threw away. So it's like seven points of doom and gloom. Well, let's see. The Brad thing is happening. They fired Cassidy. Okay, so those are two bad things. Now let's talk about pasta, because the popular topic all week long, whether you want to engage with it, which I've chosen not to engage with it, is whether or not they'll actually be able to sign Pasta because there are rumors out there that they might not be able to sign him based on what he's done to his best friends. What Sweeney has managed to do with his two best friends, Tori Krug and uh, David Krejci on the team. where he so, so I'll lead off with this is the first I'd ever heard that Pasta and, and Krug were, 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 were bros. But anyway. <laughs> they used to have fun interactions on ice all the time. They used to yeah, do the... but that doesn't necessarily mean they're best friends off the ice. Well, okay, granted. Let's let's take the word best out it's of it. It's not there. like the obvious fact that McAvoy and Grizz are, in fact, best friends off ice. We'll talk I mean, about that in a little bit. Picture, picture yeah, Grizz I... go with... yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk about because that'll be fun-ish. Okay, yeah, okay. So let's take the word best friends, uh, the, the term best friends out. He has seen what they've done to Tori Krug and... Well, David Krejci by extension. Again, the Krejci one confused me. Because what happened with Krejci is clearly not a Sweeney thing. It might have been a Cassidy thing. It might have been a Cassidy thing. It might have been nothing at all. Right. But blaming Sweeney for what happened with with Krejci is just trying to blame Sweeney for things. Yeah. There's enough things to blame Sweeney for. We don't need to fabricate more is all I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, I think Sweeney is definitely at fault for the Tory Krug thing. Sure, Tory Krug. Well, I know. I, I, I just said Krejci. I didn't say. Yeah, Sweeney handled the Krug thing horribly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and while I agree with the central thrust of what he was trying to do with Chara, he also handled that badly. Oh my God! Yeah, he did. He did. And okay. I agree with everything he was trying to do. He just needs to fucking learn how to deal with fucking people. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. The rumor all week has been that Krejci might not choose to resign, in which case he would be Pasta. traded. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Pasta. I got my checks wrong. I got my checks wrong. Okay. So, so Pasta. I, you know what? I can't even bring myself to say it because I don't want it to happen so bad. Okay. So, so that Pasta might not resign. Of course, Pasta's agent and Sweeney have both put out statements saying, why would that be? Uh, we haven't talked about it yet. We're going to get b- together sometime. 
when we can and talk about hashing this out. So I just want to be clear when they said Pasta might not resign, it was specifically if Sweeney remained as GM. Right. Okay. Which, like, I'm not again. I'm not really sure what Fluto is trying to achieve with something that it appears that literally no other writers have heard anything to that effect. I think Fluto's just having a moment. <laughs> yeah, again, Fluto's been having a moment since just before the season ended, and here we are. Um, so for starters, like that's such a silly question, right? Like, particularly because Sweeney's Sweeney's not under contract at all right now. If that was the actual case. There is no franchise that would not just say, okay, okay, Don, thanks for everything. Semper Fi, buddy. I mean, if you want to keep your, if you're kneeling, you want to save your own hide, you kind of do anything. Well, no, I mean, if you're Neely, and that's true, saving your hide is letting Sweeney go. But he needs the protection. The flag he needs to have a pot. You can always, you, you always find more sycophants. They come in no short supply. <laughs> Well, I am all for Sweeney going away. But my my point is, is like it's if that's true, it would be a no contest. I can't imagine that that Charlie Jacobs and Cam Neely are that fucking stupid. No, I can. They're uh, dumb. I'm, don't get me wrong, but that dumb, I don't buy it. <laughs> I honestly, I'm willing to buy anything regarding their stupidity. I I just I don't and. As much as I want Sweeney to go, I, I'm just not sure that him going with Neely staying changes much. I think they both like... Well, that I, I agree really because in this dynamic, there's no IRGM because there's always that. Like you would need a situation where Neely was going to completely stand down from on-ice matters and that's clearly not going to happen. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think Neely is probably the one that needs to go. But anyway, let's talk about pasta <sighs> because he plays a key into how fucked this whole franchise could be. He roll. Let me just say this. I really hope that Don Sweeney does not do the same approach that he tried with, with Tory crew, which sounds like he just said, here's our contract. It's what they did with Dougie too. The marriage proposal contract. Right. I said after I let go of some of my hatred towards Dougie, because after seeing what they did with Krug, I was like, oh, I understand what they did now. Mm -hmm. I hope to God they do not do that. Remember, when Pasta was an RFA, he signed pretty late, basically into training camp because he was just like, I just want to play. Right. And ended up with a pretty generous contract considering what uh, Dreisaitl had just signed. And uh, Dreisaitl at the time did not deserve 8.5. He quickly did. But <laughs> I played on one leg, one leg. Honestly, like my, my respect for dry side skyrocketed this playoffs. Like fucking a man. <laughs> that guy is a beast. I love him. <laughs> I'm so glad. Look, that team is just dried Seidel and, and, and McDavid. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do, do you feel like Mike, Mike Smith is a little bit of a number generator kind of thing where it's like, <laughs> there, are so two Mike, there are two Mike Smiths inside all of us. <laughs> you never know which Mike Smith is the one that you're going to see. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Because he could be so astoundingly terrible one night and then the next night he's just like fantastic. And he's, uh, he's alternately Dominic Hashik and I don't know. Like Pylon? 
I'm just trying to come up with it with an iconically bad goalie, and it's not coming to head. Um, uh, what was Vancouver's goalie? He wore a um, Dan Cloutier. Right. Is Cloutier that bad? Uh, yeah, I mean, he made uh, the uh, the way I often uh, described him is he made easy. <gasps> oh, no, no, saves. no, 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 no. He's some nights he's Dominic Hasek, other nights he's Vesa Toscala. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that that's the right one. <laughs> it's uh oh Toscala. Yeah, that's a very good comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he's been the, the Hashik end of the spectrum often enough that he's playing into his 40s somehow. So like, you know, good for Mike Smith and all that. But uh... <sighs> <laughs> I guess kind of going back to pasta here. Pasta. If he doesn't want to resign, I think the easy decision is, yeah, trade him. Absolutely. Well, yeah, if he's not going to resign, there is no question. You trade him, and you trade him soon. I have a couple ideas on trade packages that would make sense already. <laughs> One this... I'm rather fond of is New Jersey for the second overall. Bruins then draft Logan Cooley. But um, the issue is, do you trust management right now to start a rebuild? And I, I really don't. No, but like we're this team's in a weird spot right now between these injuries the possible retirement, the pasta question. There's a lot of potential here for a very short-term tank tank and rebuild here. Mm-hmm. I have no faith in this management to be able to do it. Yeah, you like... So, 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 just... in, this case, yeah, so in this case, like, so the scenario I, I imagine here, he doesn't want to sign. They somehow know before the draft, even though technically they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. You, you send him to New Jersey for the second overall, plus, um, you know, details to be announced later. Draft Logan Cooley, so you have one of your two centers down the road, and you shit the bed next season, and then hopefully win the win the lottery enough to either get Bedard or Fantilli. That's great, but I don't know if I trust this team, this this management to build the group around them in the front. Mm. Now the other question about Pasta: This is a team with no immediately visible future. Do you sign a scoring winger? When you have no centers, is it worth the effort? Do you have functional centers on a timeline that makes sense for your 26 or 7? doesn't matter. For your, from your back half of the 20s scoring winger. I've also I thought about that. I am opposed to resigning Pasta because I am absolutely in favor of it. But this is a question you do have to ask yourselves and right now. He is 26 this year. Okay, thank you. But point being... If you don't anticipate having top six quality centers on the roster particularly soon, is there an actual purpose in re-signing David Pasternak? Hmm. Will you be competitive on the timeline where he's still a goal scorer? And unless his game starts evolving more, he's a finite utility if his goal scoring drops off. And that's almost always one of the things that comes down first. And not advocating, not advocating anything here. Just like, you know, thinking out loud is like, this is a difficult choice, regardless of Pasternak's willingness to resign, in my opinion. I was going to say, yes, you resign him because I love him and I love to watch him. He is such a lovable. Because he's going to be one of. I know you don't want an emotional <laughs> answer. You want an actual answer. And my my. If <sighs> Sweeney. Keeps saying. He wants the team to still remain competitive while they do whatever they're going to do. If you want to still remain competitive, you keep pasta. That that there you go. Yeah, but yes, but like remaining competitive just may not be feasible 
And at a certain point, it's not feasible anymore. It's not, but he's got to pretend that it is feasible. I feel oh, like Sweeney really has to resign Pasta. See, see, this is the funny thing: is this team's actually in a place where a really forward-looking choice would be to blow it up right now. Mm-hmm. Just, just nuke the fucker from orbit, build back up around uh, around uh, 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 around McAvoy and and and, and Lynn Holman Swayman. Yeah, you're yeah. you're asking to do what the Rangers did in 2018, except basically not- just like okay, yes, I know we were just a 600 a 650 team. But we're about to fall off the cliff. The time right now would be to nuke it from orbit, right? Okay, we got a lot of our UFAs next year aren't like readily tradable at the moment, but you know, things math changes at the deadline. You got, you know, Taylor Hall's no trade is only half the it's only half the league, for example. Like you have to can a forward-looking franchise right now would just blow this shit, blow this the fuck up sky high. I think that Sweeney is afraid. Both Sweeney and Neely are afraid that if they do that, then their jobs are gone. Well, well, here's well no, see, the... no, 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 see, see, but you're safer blowing up a team mm-hmm. than letting a team peter out into into shit. Peter out into shit is how you lose your job. Deliberately explained demanded to, to, to ownership that I'm going to blow this team up because we are not going to be competitive no matter what I do on the short term. That keeps you your job and buys you years. But does that keep your job with the Jacobses? Yeah, that's that's the thing you're not taking into consideration. That they lost so much money from the pandemic with sales and things like that. You think they want to give up a year of like first round playoff like uh, tickets? How much and- money do you really make on a four on a four game exit? Two home games. Because if this team makes the playoffs next year, which I do still think it's probably a playoff team, because I don't think the rest of the division's ready to make the jump. It- it's more money than you make if you don't make the playoffs. Exactly. But I want to just point out that Delaware North's uh, holdings aren't just tied up with the Bruins and the P Bruins because they, they manage the concessions down there or, you know, the associated uh, buildings. They span all across this nation. So when the Minnesota Wild go to the playoffs, Delaware North makes money on concessions. Well, that's just it's one arena that doesn't buy them that much compared to like the diversity of other places they have they have going. I don't they're t- they lost a lot of money, but they're not. But what do what do businesses like the Jacobs's businesses want to do? Do they want to make more money or even more money? Even more. You see, this is, this is falls more. into the category of why I don't understand billionaires. I just really don't. I can't comprehend what motivates them. So. Well, I, I, I mean, it's easy. Hoarding money is what motivates them. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Simplistically, but like you drill deeper, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Again, I, I've I've been very adamant in the future. I don't understand Elon Musk because if I had that kind of money, you know where I'd be on my fucking yacht. You'd never hear me hear my fucking name again. No, <laughs> do what Tom from Tom uh, from MySpace did. He took the money and he spends time on the beach now. I think he bought it. He bought his own island and just like chills there. Like that's literally what he did. Yeah, like, like, yeah. If I had that kind of money, you would never hear my name again until I showed up in the obits. 
<laughs> well, I mean, if I had that kind of money, I would be giving regularly to charities or start quietly, my own charity. Because I have no respect for people that talk about money they char- they, they donate. I, you know, um, <laughs> well, I, 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 I find cha- I find self-aggrandizing charities to be more despicable than hoarding in some ways. I don't know. I think the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, where they're trying to eliminate malaria in in you know Africa, is a good idea. You know, and eliminate the. I'm not uh, the saying they're not doing good things. I just have finite respect for it. That's all. It's sort of why how I find Bono to be one of the more unserious philanthropists on the planet because it's always about Bono, not about what he's like getting behind. <laughs> well, okay, we'll agree to disagree on this. Okay, that's as far as I'm going to go on this. But I'm just back saying. To... Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> get, getting back to the billionaire mindset, it's I don't know why they have this idea that. It's a game they have to win. They're ultra they competitive. They already won. Yeah, they're ultra competitive. They want to be. Uh, they want to win even more somehow. I, I don't get it, but it's why a beer at at the garden is like sixteen bucks. You know. Uh, but it, but also they're not competitive in that they care that their hockey team wins. They just care that they win enough to make the money. Like it's not like it. Like, uh, it, it's stupid. Don't get me wrong. I think Charlie Jacobs cares more about this team than his father ever has. Thank okay. You. I was going to bring that up. Like, if this was Mr. Old Man Jacobs still yeah, base, you know, running the team, owning the team, being the, the main the, the head honcho, I would be terrified. But his son seems to uh, get it care a little about. Bit. Yeah. He he does, but he's still taking directives from the yeah. old man, and he always will until the old well, man is like ultimately. You know, Harry Sinden, for all he did for this franchise, is still around, and he was there through the proactive Jacob's reign the entire time, which means he's got he's he's absolutely plagued with Jacob's brain. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, back what was the, years ago? For our younger listeners, they may not remember this. A huge complaint <laughs> about the Bruins was that they were cheap. They never retained talent. They never got. Um, uh, they never went out and got anyone. I, I I know the Bruins' future looks bleak right now, but I can't say that's the case. Um, oh, we no, need no, a, no. Uh, once, a, a, once let's get, let's get Hall got, and sign him. Once Jacobs got the cap, mm-hmm. he, he, he became a decent owner. Mm-hmm. Not great, but decent. So, I. I think they're a bit more willing to, in their opinion, do what's best for the team. Um, I, I don't think uh, any uh, any super senior management is going to be like, yeah, let's just be good enough. I don't think that's the way any sports, uh, any no. s- somewhat smart franchise works. It's just, I just don't think uh, with Neely ultimately being the one uh, – uh, being in charge of this franchise can do any sort of successful rebuild. Yeah. And like, like again, like this is, it, it, it's a tragedy because like clearly they knew this team was going play, going somewhere bad because like, again, our salary structure screams that you can blow this team up right now. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that was one of my big things after the free agency last year is like, no, no, they built a self self-destruct button into this roster. And hey, that still may happen. Because it's all still there. Yeah. Yep. Now, here we go, going along with our whole idea of how fucked is this franchise. 
what happens if the bad thing happens and i'm i'm trending more towards thinking it will i uh can can i can i can i a little bit give you a little yes. bit of a hot take here yes i think bergeron has already told management he's going to retire which explains the way they've been celebrating his accomplishments uh, on their social media and granted yes he just win his fifth selkie so it makes sense but the way they're talking about him and showing his highlights reminds me of a career-ending highlight reel so i i think uh, bergeron is uh, i think the decision has already been made they're just waiting it out for reasons i don't know and um if he's gone i do think the right thing to do is to uh start a rebuild again though going back to how fucked is this team they're very fucked because neely Seabass is is in charge yeah if you read any of those comments on those videos people are like stop doing this because every time you do this i keep thinking he's retired he's he's retired i think he is too i think and honestly i wouldn't i don't know that i would come back at this point, yeah. with everything going on, like, Bergie's why comments, would you? Bergie's comments to the bit about this is my first time without a contract that I can really think about it. I don't think those are the comments of someone who's actually thinks they're likely to come back. He just hasn't yeah. resolutely said no. Right. 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 Look, okay. He is still here in the Boston area because his kids are finishing up school probably in the next week or two. Right. Yeah, that was in that Quebec story. He's uh, yeah. probably going to head back to um, uh, to, to, to Lviv and uh, once they're done in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so then he'll have the time to, you know, I'm, I'm sure that he would love to have this conversation with Stephanie. But while kids are in school, your mind is in a different place. When you go home for the summer, then you can talk about that. You could talk about it with your parents. Bergeron, I'm sure that he would like to do that. And friend, other friends that are important to him talk about it. Long phone call with Sid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever he does is going to be the right decision. Yeah. Okay. And we may not be happy with it, but it's the right decision. Because I, 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 but I, I, I think I'm trying to mitigate being really devastated and sad and broken up about it. I, there's a reason why I brought, I bought my, my Bergeron jersey this year. I wanted to I have did. the one with the C patch. Yeah, those are those series are going to get expensive real soon on uh, eBay. Yeah. Um, but so I think I talked about this on Twitter and maybe I'm sure I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast. But Bergeron, to me, encapsulates just it, he is my Bruins fandom. I started I became a Bruins fan the year before he joined the NHL. So Steve Shields. Uh, that's that's who really got me going in, into uh, my Bruins fandom. But he was a, he was one and done awesome mask though um and then i remember them drafting this guy named bergeron the second round and and he surprisingly made it out of camp and i'm like oh little bergeron he's he's the youngest guy in the nhl and now i'm in i'm about to turn 33 and I'm like well he's he's been with the exception of one year um and a lockout he's been uh he was a province bruin that year like he's been the boston bruins to me so even though i'm a I'm a grown, I'm a grown ass man. When he retires, I, you know what? I'm, I might, and they, and they show a little highlight video. I'm probably going to cry a little bit. 
Okay. I thought you were going to say we've... I'm going to be a Keynes fan. Like, no. I said we, we no. talked about my about my view, and it's 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 a similar journey. So yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my god! Of course, I would cry. I would cry right now. I, I it takes nothing for me to cry. I'm a crier. It's it's okay. Yeah. I, I think I'd be at, I'm at peace with it though. I think I've convinced yeah. myself that it's gonna happen, or it's like if when it does that I'm like, yep, I knew this was on the horizon. Like it, 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 well, this and, summer, and, next summer, I means not much of a difference. Thing, I was thinking about this too. Is like, do you think they fire Cassidy if they actually thought Bergeron was coming back? The coach with his record, if you thought you were going to be competitive next year. Probably. I've been I've been trying to sit and think about the relationship here. Cassidy thinks the world of Bergy and Bergeron clearly respects him and he was taken aback when he found out about the firing. So Yeah, I think it it could have been totally like they just they they know that Bergy's going to retire and and it, in which sort of pivots to one of my theories about the Cassidy firing is that it's a mercy killing. In that they were probably going to fire him in the season? Well, like, this team is going to be fucking awful this fall. They might be better by winter once people start coming back, but they are going to be unfucking watchable in October and November. Let's just let's just consolidate around that right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially if Bergie's not coming back. So suppose they know that, and it's like, well, we're going to end up firing this poor bastard in December anyway because it's outside of his control, but we're going to have to do it. Why not release him now when he gets the pick of the litter of where he ends up? I, I, I don't think they had that thought going through their mind. It's certainly an added. I'm sure Cassidy realizes that. I was going to say, I think this is better for Cassidy than not being fired. But again, the inconsistency and the poor communication, both internally and externally, is the problem there. All right. So Bill Belichick is known as a coach who will tell veteran players early on in camp whether or not they really have the odds to make the team or like it, even some of the younger players that he's just like well you know you've got talent but it's not going to fit in here so he'll release them early so they have a chance to go find another team to to latch on to okay mm-hmm. uh, that is a thoughtfulness that most people would not think that Bill Belichick has if you're asking me if Cam Neely and Don Sweeney have that thoughtfulness, I'm going to tell you no. I don't think they do. I, I just don't. I think, you know, it, it looks good. It looks good in, in that way. If we if we it, we can give them a charitable light in thinking that they would think that way. But I don't think that's what happened. I, I mean, I definitely just don't think him. Cam I definitely don't think Cam thinks that way. One could wonder if Cam actually thinks. Oh, there's that. But I imagine he mostly just sits in his office most of the day muttering Ulf Samuelson's name and like, you know, drawing pictures of what he'd like to do to the man. But yep. <laughs> as one does. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not in the spot to give them that charity. Well, I am not saying I buy it. It's just occurred to me. That's all. The reason why I know about the Bill Belichick thing is one. I've seen it on video. I've seen it actually happen, but coaches, uh, not coaches, uh, media talk about that a lot about him, where it's like he doesn't want somebody to be screwed over just because they're not going to be on the Patriots. Okay, you'd have to really be a a jackass to him to do that. I just think that this is not how the Bruins operate. 
All right. So we, we talked about the Bergy part of this. And the other parts of how screwed this franchise might be come in other things. So let's pick out another another piece of paper, guys. We've got three left, I think. Yes, three left. All right, if I drop off. Yeah. Any any final comments before you go? Uh, I'm a, I'm going to be a Bruins fan. I think a part as as long as the Bruins don't commit any moral sins, you know, uh, you know, something like the, what the Blackhawks did. Oh yeah. I think aside from that. I think I'll always be a Bruins fan and I've been a Bruins fan when they stunk and there was some peace in that because like, Oh, this team stinks. If they win, it's an extra bit of joy. And that does finally make the, when they do win extra special. And that's just the way all sports work. And I'm glad I, my two favorite teams both wear black and yellow. Excellent. Makes my, yeah. Love y'all. Okay. okay. See you soon. Bye. 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 You know, at that point that uh, that Nick made about the uh, the team being potentially bad and then we'll just be happy when they win it has been something that's been on my mind all this week because this is kind of a weird situation for me. I have two teams that I'm like that with now where I'm just kind of like, oh, OK, I I'm not going to expect them to win. I'm just going to be happy when they do. And I think that. That's what uh, Ben has been trying to tell me about the Bruins in this last year was like, oh, yeah, we should just be happy and watch hockey and not worry about it too much. But since I have a podcast and I do some writing about the Bruins, I do have to worry about it a little bit. So anyway, with that, we have picked out our third thing, which happens to be Cassidy. Cassidy, Bruce Cassidy is understandably very upset because when when he was first hired on as the Bruins like non-interim like full-on coach of the Bruins he was so happy he made his way to all of the radio stations talked about how he grew up as a Bruins fan he was a big Bobby Orr fan it was just destiny he felt so happy and he even said that the Bruin is basically tattooed to him and it's gonna it's gonna be hard to let this go I feel so bad about how it happened. Uh, I don't like that Cassidy's going because he's a likable guy. And it seems like he he said when asked if he was going to be scapegoated here, he's like, I'm not going to say that. That's for you guys to decide, the, the media meaning. So basically, I don't like how it was done. I don't like that it was done. I, I wish that Cassidy were still around. Because at least I'd feel that there is less uncertainty with this franchise than there is right now. And I feel like I've said a whole bunch of things about Cassidy and the firing already up to this. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we, we've probably beat this one into the ground already. Because it dovetails with every single other slip that was in the head. <laughs> well, he said this. I learned that I could be a good coach in the National Hockey League. I had a chance a long time ago. It didn't work out as well as I'd like. I was very young and took a lot from that. I worked my way back, to say the least, to try to get another opportunity. And as I said, I'm always grateful to the Jacobses and Cam and Donnie and Pete Shirelli at the time to give me that chance. And I think I took advantage of it. I was much more prepared for it. So that's what I've learned about myself, that I can coach in this league and I can coach players hard to be accountable to the team and to still allow them to play to their strengths. Get your message across, communicate well. And I think we did that right out of the gate. So that's what 
what I've learned. I'm glad that he had this opportunity to coach here. Obviously, he'd been working his way up through the franchise, through the Providence Bruins. I'm glad that he was a coach here. I knew when they hired him on as one of Claude's assistants that there was a possibility that he could be put into the coaching pipeline, and he was. And it was fun hockey. Oh, my God, it was so fun. And that's what I'm afraid of, that we're not going to have as much fun hockey anymore. I mean, he's a defensively minded minded coach, but he still wanted to say, let David Posternock still do his thing without requiring too much defensiveness from him. On the flip side, though, like loose hockey, even if you're not winning, can be fun. But I also don't really suspect loose hockey's what we're actually ending up here with, with here, regardless of what Sweeney's saying about intentions. No, is Bergeron or not this this team, especially without Bergeron, isn't going to be built for loose hockey because it's still going to have a, a pretty fucking dynamite defensive core, which is one of the reasons that I'm just like ah, actual tank out is going to be fucking hard here. Yeah, you don't sign Lindholm to eight years if you're not planning on being which there's the thing is there seems to be a, a disconnect an internal disconnect from three months ago versus now but where they see the team going unless three months ago they were convinced bergeron was going to resign <laughs> there's also the question about why in context of all this why are the crazy rumors coming up it is like does he come back just to like be a stop gap gap and make things not embarrassing for a year I don't think Krejci's coming back. I don't think so either. I'm just curious. Like Again, that posture knock video still confuses the shit out of me, though. Same. Oh, the one where he asked uh, Krejci if he was Again, like, back? do you really think Pasta would have posted that without Krejci's permission? And do you really think either of them are the sort to just straight up troll the fan base that savagely? Was it trolling the fan base or is it trolling Sweeney? I mean, I'm not saying that Sweeney oh, would necessarily I mean, see it. Pasta's still under contract. He wouldn't fucking do that. That would be fucking stupid. Like, for Pasta. I mean, not like of Pasta, but like, objectively stupid for his own purposes. Although, I guess if he, this hate Sweeney rumor is is valid, then that would check out. But like, eh. (laughs) I'm not saying that Sweeney watched that as the GM of the Bruins. But I'm saying that it got back to him somehow. I I don't think that I don't think that Pasta is trolling the fans. I think he's he could be trying to engage in wish fulfillment, mm-hmm. or it could be that everybody's reading way too much into this, and it was just kind of a little bit of a joke, which seems mean. But oh, it seems that's downright cruel. <laughs> Maybe Pasta wants out of Boston. I don't know. I I don't think that Krejci's coming back. I think all of this is just wishful thinking. Blah blah blah. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure that Krejci coming back and Bergie leaving is anything anyway. So whatever. I don't, I just don't want to engage in it. I see it as a nothing burger. I could be totally wrong. He could come back tomorrow because I've said it now. So that means that Bergie, I mean, that, that Krejci's going to totally come back. But whatever. I don't know. I, I You know, I kind of feel like. Krejci wanted to go do something for his family. That was the outside story. The inside story could be a lot more complicated. And I also am at the point where I just don't give a fuck anymore because Krejci, you're not that interesting. (laughs) That's fair. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I'm not saying you're a bad player and stuff like that, but we're now two years removed from the last time that you played for the Bruins. So skills fade and you coming back two years later doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot anymore. Especially when you're 35, 36 years old. I don't know. I don't. I, I can't waste any energy on that. I've wasted a lot of energy this week. I'm being very angry. And I'm going to still waste energy on that. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I, 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 I do want to say about one thing kind of off the, the Cassidy thing. Yep. Is I, I think that one thing that this, uh, this team has had over the past two coaches really is we've had the, we've had the um, luxury of having stability in our, as at our head coach. And I'm not sure we're going to have that stability for a while, because if this thing goes South quickly, especially with a new coach and then like, you know, Sweeney's out, say Neely's out, the, the new people coming in are probably going to want their own coach as well. So I have a, I have just this weird feeling that we're not going to see that stability at the head coaching position for a little while. Well, there's the thing about this team that really struck me. I saw it on Twitter this week. It's like Bergeron played for one team for 19 years and only played for four coaches. That's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, and that's with it with, with with Dave Lewis lasting only one season. Can you imagine somebody playing for Buffalo? How many coaches uh, have uh, they? Uh, Edmonton's worse. Okay, well, Edmonton. I, I'm just saying, <laughs> there are teams out there, teams out there that have seen so many coaches, interim coaches, or you know, I mean, coaches. like, well, that's just like actually, Lou's been weird since he left the Devils, right? Mm-hmm. Because when he was with the Devils, he changed coaches like he more often than he changed pants. And sometimes at junctures that made no sense at all. Wow. Wow. I wouldn't want to play for Lou. No, being on a, on a, on a Lou run team in any capacity just sounds miserable. No facial hair, man. No facial hair. I mean, you can't rob a person of the playoffs without having a beard. I mean, you can say like, look, Joe Thornton, trim the beard, make it look nice. Or Brent Burns, burn wash everything. That. Please wash it. Please. Right, right. <laughs> you can you can have certain things, but telling them that they can't have beards. I mean, Kyle Palmieri has not been the same player since he went there. Well, and, and yeah, plus, like, it isn't even just a, a playoff thing, too. It's like um, the NHLers are all men in their – are almost are predominantly white men in their 20s and 30s. What do a lot of white men in their 20s and 30s have right now? Beards. Pretty yeah. popular. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's just a dick move. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a dick move. And I usually don't say that about too many Rhode Island born coaches and GMs and stuff. Although, did you know that David Quinn is from Rhode Island? I did. I saw that this week. I did not know that until, you know, reading all these uh, long-winded coaching candidate lists. I know. And I was like, he's from Rhode Island? I want you to hire him now. I'm not I don't know if no. you do though. I don't think I, I know do. he's from I Rhode just, Island, but like eh. I I know, I know, I know. I, I don't really, but I thought that they might go after him early because I just thought, well, Boston connections and stuff like that. Again, I'm 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 like 
85% confident it's going to be Jay Leach in the end. I hope so. That's Honestly, I, based I, on the available candidates, that isn't just like – I know Mandy, for example, has been like, I don't want Leach as the guy they know. It's like, no, no, Leach is a pretty well-regarded up-and-comer, and this team was the one that was grooming him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense to me. That's why I said it right away. And based on their comments, it's pretty unambiguous. He's who, he's who they got in mind. That's why when I mentioned candidates before, the only other ones I entertained were Mojanel, who I don't think has enough experience yet, or Spencer Carberry. Well, I, I thought it was a curious decision for him to go out to Seattle unless he thought Haxtell will definitely get fired. <laughs> Again, he must have taken that job before the team knew that Pandolfo was leaving. I guess so. I guess so. But they announced it after, which is curious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck Jade Pandolfo taking Kim Branfold. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Damn it. I mean, like, good for Branfold, you know, maybe he wants to move up in the world from a strength and conditioning to being, you know, a coach coach. I'm happy for him, but, like, god damn it. He's such <laughs> a good skating coach. Damn it. I know, I know, I know. Whatever. It's good for him. Well, blah, blah, I, blah. when he left, I saw, was it, um, I think Dominic Tianos had pointed out that maybe the team should hire the person that uh, that Kevin Miller worked with on a skating, and absolutely yes. Because, like, late career, Kevin Miller was a fantastic skater, which was, like, so weird to see. I thought that was Brenvold. It wasn't. No, no, no. Someone he worked with separately outside of the Bruins. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, ready? Chris Lick and McAvoy. Bros, 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 bros. Well, yes, bros. they are best friends, which we kind of knew. But that picture, that, that is how I found out they both had their surgeries, by the way. It was not the press release the that was released. Was a couple days after the, um, that was a couple days after the press release. Well, I wasn't paying attention to things. Anyway, my point is, I learned uh, because both of them had a shoulder between them. Uh, a, you know, a good right shoulder and a good left shoulder between the two of them. So Matt Grizzlick had a uh, shoulder stabilization on his right shoulder. It was actually not arthroscopic. It his was, was open. Yeah. Yeah. His was open, which means they had to kind of create more of a groove and they had to move the, the ligaments around a little bit to stabilize the shoulder. So uh, very serious surgery, but it's still going to take about the same amount of time for McAvoy, who had a left shoulder, not open, but just arthroscopic stabilization. Which I find interesting, to be honest, um, that their recovery times are the same, despite the fact that one assumes that McAvoy's wasn't as serious because we didn't know about it, and that it was the arthroscopic rather than the open surgery. Did the McAvoy one happen when Svechnikov went after him? It's possible. Because we knew nothing about this. Nothing. I knew nothing about this, and I Whereas, keep up like, on the Grizzly one. They've been able to trace it back, and it was um, against the Jets, I think, in January. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So they both had surgeries on opposite shoulders, and there they were hanging out at McAvoy's place, presumably McAvoy's place, very open, airy, down in the seaport, lots of glassy buildings around displaying, them. displaying fantastic symmetry with the both with the one arm all in the in, in, in the rigid plastic brace and sling auto the rocket dog just dogging the fuck out in between them yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good thing they both have auto and it turns out that matt grizzlick is getting a golden retriever soon so i i'm always I, dogs make you feel better when you're not feeling great they do 
So I think that's wonderful. So yeah, those are the two surgeries. They will not be ready until like what Thanksgiving ish or just before that. Grizzly is a bit. I thought Grizzly was five months. McAvoy six or something like that. It was weird because they weren't. Because, but anyway, yeah, they're not going to be ready until a good chunk into the season. Yep. So, hooray. and shoulder surgeries are sort of a squirrely, unpredictable recovery time, right? So, woohoo! Yeah, you need them. You need your shoulders. There's another thing too about Marshawn that has been going around. It's like I think it was uh, Mar- Jeff Marrick pointed out. It's like um, even if he's back on time, he's he's not going to be himself possibly for the entire season. Well, Pasta wasn't when he first came back either with yeah. his hip. But you know what? If you wait until the playoffs and activate them like they did with Kucherov. Well, that's not what they mean. That's not what they mean. That's not allowed. <laughs> that isn't I... allowed. Like, like, you can criticize it all you want. And, like, they play games based on the surgery time, not the recoveries. I know. I know. I know. I know. I <laughs> know. They play games at the end that's, that's impossible to regulate. It's what they did. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just saying... Marshy, if also, what's some... the point? This team it might make the playoffs, and if they are, regardless of full strength or not, they're going to be like a, they're going to get be a four game. So they're going to get swept in four or something next year. Like fuck sakes. I know. I was feeling optimistic. I'm sorry. I, I will go back to pessimism mode. Again, I'm not. I don't even view what I'm doing here as, as pessimism. Just you know, it's the reality of it. Stark real, stark and cynical realism. I can't <laughs> wait till next season when we're recording. We'll be like, hey, they won a game. I mean, honestly, like there'll be a certain element of the joy is pure in the regular season when they win a game next year, if they are as bad as we expect. I know. We've been so spoiled. But but anyway, I don't want to give a lot of thought to Marshy taking more time because he had double hip surgery. Double hip surgery with multiple procedures in both hips. I just I don't I don't want to think about it. I, I just, yeah, it's, I, it's too much. My brain is, is no, you know what? Let's talk about Marshy again later when we know more stuff. And then we can complain about how he's not where he should be because God damn it. At 34 years old or however old he is, he, uh, he's not healing as well as he should. Again, but, I'm worried because hip surgery, um, Nick Backstrom, he and Nick Backstrom are the same age. Nick Backstrom's career appears to be over now as a consequence of a poor recovery from hip surgeries. What? Really? Um, he was awful this season. Okay, I'm exaggerating a touch. He's in yes. the not really sure what comes next mode. Oh, okay. That's not great. Yeah. But on the other hand, Backstrom was clearly showing signs of decline already anyway, whereas Marshawn has has not. No, no. Marshy's been great. Marshawn's starting from a better position there than, than Backstrom. <laughs> okay. And I do want to just point out that Mike Riley had a procedure on his ankle. Arthroscopic kind of cleaning stuff out, I guess, doing something. He'll be fine for training camp. Whatever. I wonder where how far back that goes. Like, is that part of why he was just so eh all season? <laughs> Well, I don't know. He wasn't I, the player. He wasn't the player we saw after the deadline last year, right? Nope, nope. He wasn't. I think he also missed a little time to injury too. But also, I bet you he's one of the happiest guys that Bruce Cassidy isn't there anymore. So, woohoo! All right. Yeah, well. <laughs>
Oh, God, I don't even know if this is even a topic anymore. I was kind of hoping this would have been a first topic. The blame game. We've played the blame game. I blame Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, maybe the Jacobses for not tearing down things for a rebuild. and uh, Harrison didn't. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm just so tired now. I don't even feel like playing the blame game. I don't like playing the blame game. It's my least favorite game to play because I feel like... The blame game never is played from a, a position of like strength. It's always just like we all suck. Why do we suck? Because I can blame everybody else, but myself. Again, and like ultimately, like the, the the team was always going to this place. It may have gotten here a hair faster than it needed to, but it was always headed here. I know you've been heating up for a while, but I've been I've been trying to soften the beachhead on my own behalf. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, some of us have pie-in-the-sky ideals, and we don't want to be mired down in the muck. But also, some of us live very thoroughly in the present and have a hard time seeing the future. That's me. At least I'm not living in the past, so that's good. Just, you know, a couple things here and there. All right, well, that is all of our topics. I wish the blame game had come sooner. I should have made it come sooner. I should have cheated. But I don't feel like playing the blame game anymore. This is just going to be a very uh, uncertain time for us. But uh, as Bruins fans, I think all of us, we're all somewhere. Tell us, tell us, dear listeners, friends of the pod, tell us what you think about things. Um, because I'm very interested to hear how other people are de- dealing with things. You can send me long paragraphs and or essays on how you're feeling just just slide on into our dms and then let us know (laughs) yeah because like i know we speak for you in some ways and we don't say everything that everybody's thinking but we're trying to put it all together the best way that we can but you know the great thing about having numbers is that other people can tell you or point out things that you did not see um so yeah there you go okay i'm a little mentally exhausted now yeah. Yeah. At least I'm not yelling. Okay. Listeners, uh, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. Um, you can find us uh, wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Um, and of course, um, uh, please, please speak to us. Um, as we said, VA just asked you to. So, like, you can do so on Facebook. That's at Barely on Topic Podcast. Or on Twitter. That's at Barely on Topic. We want to give them our email for this one. Oh, sure. Barely. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, barely on topic at gmail.com. Okay. Barely on topic at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking because holy goddamn fuck. Right, people? Right. Um, then, of course, you can always let us know on our individual accounts if you, uh, if you feel to keep it, if that's what you want to do. I, for one, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at fuckcamneely.org. I also think it should known be as non-profit. FBA from RI. Um, incidentally, though, we could consider, you know, putting a barely on topic pool together to get, to to crowdsource the money for a fuck Cam Neely billboard. Oh. <laughs> Not a fire Cam Neely. Fuck Cam Neely. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so great. <laughs> oh, I would love it. It's more work than I'm willing to put in, folks. But if like, you know what? We'll support it if it comes. <laughs> fuck Cam Neely. Just fuck him. Word.